Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom podcast, where we take the challenges that inevitably exist all around us because life will just keep lifing all over us because that's what life does. Um, but here is a place where we take those challenges and learn how to interface with them in a way that truly ultimately helps us to grow, thrive, and bloom. So my name is Casey Kingry. I'm a yoga teacher and a life coach, and I'm here today to talk to you about the wisdom of the peacock. Um, I've been theming about the peacock in my yoga classes lately, and there's just so much brilliance wrapped up in this bird, quite literally and figuratively, and it was too good not to take a whole episode to share it with you. And so it's my intention that by sharing with you this this imagery and um, anatomy and sort of qualities that the peacock exhibits that you may not know of um, and how they might be really translatable in our own lives in some very, very powerful ways. Um, so thank you for being part of this journey. You know, um, no mud, no lotus is um, a, a classic phrase from uh, Thich Nhat Han, and it's it's the premise that I live my life and and my coaching business all around is that really you know most people in life everyone in life will get dirty, um, but not everyone will choose to use the dirt as fertilizers for their own growth and beauty, and you know the peacock and the lotus flower have a lot of similarities, and so I'm just really truly from the bottom of my heart as someone who really. It tries to look at the mud in her life and 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 use it as fuel. Um, I think that the peacock has a lot of wisdom to bestow upon us. So um, let me just start by saying that the peacock is the national bird of India, and that this bird is actually native to India. So we see it all over the world now, but that's not actually how it started. It started as being a native species to India. And throughout the course of, of history has been introduced to many other countries. And it, it might sound kind of, you know, inconsequential, but that really hit me because the same is true for yoga. You know, that yoga, of course, was birthed in, in India and that over time, you know, Krishnamacharya, who was considered the father of modern yoga through his students like BKS Iyengar, sort of disseminated his modern view of yoga his modern take and practice on yoga and through his students disseminated out into the modern world. And that includes us here in the West. And so I just think it's very curious, you know, as a white woman who whose life has been so dramatically healed and changed by the power of this ancient practice from the East, you know, we, we have a lot of talks about cultural appropriation, how, how, um, what does it mean as a white person, if, and if this is you, maybe it's not you, but I think it's a conversation for everyone, or a non-Indigenous person to the practice that you subscribe to and love, like, what does that mean for you? And I think that this is an age-old question and a tension that, that we're all going to have to live with. But, but really, in my mind, what I understand is that we honor the yoga by leaning into it and experiencing it fully and letting it change us and letting it change the way we operate in the world. So for me, the cultural appropriation comes when it's all like Lululemon and forward folds touching your toes, when it's all performance and aesthetic based, right? And so I think we, be, we, we honor the yoga and its origins and the culture of its roots 
by saying, gosh, there's so much more to yoga and let me really understand it and go even deeper. That's how we honor it. And, and I just feel that since the peacock bird and the practice of yoga both started in India and they both been disseminated out into the world in similar fashions, I just thought that it might be kind of a nice little um, bridge. So let me start by sharing with you from the Animal Spirit Guidebook from the Wild Unknown. This is a totem deck. A lot of times in tarot, we can use archetype decks. Um, and the archetypes, like animal archetypes, really serve to just show us what's possible in the natural world so that we can superimpose those qualities in the natural world, understanding that we are also part of the natural world, and see if we can exhibit some of the wisdom of these creatures into our modern day lives. So the peacock in um, from the Wild Unknown Animal Spirit deck um, is known for its inner beauty, which I think is so profound right there because we in the modern Western world we would say probably that the peacock is most well known for its outer beauty, right? The plumage of its radiant tail feathers. Um, but really it's known for its inner beauty, its compassion, and its ability to be the assimilator of anything. So here is what you might know about the physical peacock bird and how it operates in the world. So the peacock is able to ingest certain toxicities and poisons that no other creatures are able to consume. So poison, poisonous and venomous snakes, um, poisonous insects, and also plants, all right? And what they do is, is the, so there are these creatures in nature, and usually when they're poisonous, they're also really brilliant, bright colors. Um, my boyfriend and I were just watching a nature show about this, about like this red frog, that basically the frog is bright red, and when the the things that would prey upon the frog see it, it's basically like warning, um, it's advertising to potential predators that it's not worth attacking or eating because basically if you eat me, then we're just both going to die essentially. And so this is something in nature that the more brightly something is colored, the more dangerous it might be. All right. And so what the peacock does, are you with me? It, it eats as much of those toxicities as it can on purpose. It deliberately consumes as, as many poisonous substances as it can in order to become immune to them. And what happens as the peacock consumes these toxins in the form of these brightly you know, fashioned creatures is it, um, it makes their colors of the, their plumage more vibrant as they metabolize the these toxicities essentially so they eat these vibrant creatures that are toxic and then that vibrancy translates into the colors of their tail feathers isn't nature just totally amazing and so the peacock literally by nature of the way it digests the toxicities of its life by the way it assimilates what life gives it is able to assimilate it and digest it in a way that ultimately makes it more beautiful. I could probably just stop there, right? <laughs> so what does this mean for us, right? Well, usually we are just transfixed with outer beauty or outer, you know, 
the outer circumstances. We, we're very fixated on what we can see. We spend very little time looking under the surface or behind the curtain or really understanding things from the root of where we come from. So in a world, in this modern Western world that has us really conditioned to just like go to the end result, like we have very little respect for the the process, right? Because we're perfectionists. And so as adults, most adults won't try new things that they don't already know that they're going to excel at because we do not like to embody being a beginner or moving ourselves from point A to point B in a way that might look imperfect to our counterparts, right? And so we're very, very, very concerned about outer expression. Right. And so if we want to to live the elements of this this inspirational animal in our own lives, like what would that mean to us? So I'm going to go through what's called some yogic kleshas. OK, and you spell the kleshas like this, K-L-E-S-H-A. And this is a whole category of yoga philosophy that tells us that there are basically five ways that we as humans create our own suffering, right? That we, we, we have pain and then we turn it into suffering. And, and according to, to the yoga, there are five predominant ways that we do that. And in this podcast, I'm gonna to talk to you about three of those five ways that the kleshas could be a whole month's years worth of study on their own. But I'm gonna very briefly talk to you about them because I think that it's these kleshas, they're, they're called the five spokes on the wheel of suffering. Right. And so if we can identify these three spokes, they might give us a little bit of insight into why we have a hard time living um, with a digestive ability of the peacock. So the first um, klesha that I would like to talk to you about, it's called avidya, A-V-I-D-Y-A. And in the Sanskrit um, language, anytime you put an A on the front of the word, it essentially negates that word or turns it into its opposite. So the root of the word here is vidya, V-I-D-Y-A. And vidya in Sanskrit means the ability to see life as it really is. The ability to meet life on life's terms. The ability to accept and embrace life exactly the way it is instead of trying to transfix it into the way that we think it should be or is supposed to be, all right? So if we all do this, I feel, is that we all have a very hard time just accepting what is. And so the yoga tells us that that's how we suffer more, is that we won't face life on life's terms. And that's, you know, that's a big uh catchphrase in Alcoholics Anonymous is facing life's on life's terms. And I know I, I never went, I don't go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't subscribe to that particular path. It wasn't what was a fit for me, but I know it works for a lot of people. But um, what was I going to say about that? Um, oh, meet life on life's terms. There's a lot of wisdom there of just facing life as it is. And that was a huge reason that I drank is because I wasn't able to accept life the way that it was. I wanted it to be different. I was so disappointed and I couldn't understand why it wasn't different. And so I drank. And so then of course my life wasn't different because I drank and kept it the same. But anyway, this isn't about my drinking. This is about um, being able to look life in the eyes. All right. And so what this requires us to do is to lean into every area of our life 
and to lean into everything that we face and to really look at ourselves and be honest with ourselves. So the peacock can take toxicities and turn them into brilliance. But what we do is we either avoid the things that feel toxic to us, or we skip over the things that feel toxic to us, or we try to hide from the things that feel that we don't that we don't want to face, or we, um, I mean, you fill in the blank. What do you do? We drink over it. We eat over it. We just get busy, 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 busy over it, but we'll do anything but face the parts inside of us that we don't want to see. I think as a culture, and I see this in my own life and in my, the lives of my clients, that I think as a culture, we have a really hard time taking responsibility for ourselves and our actions and our impact on others. And we also have a really hard time receiving feedback. Usually in my adult experience, if I try to artfully give someone feedback, by the way, I'm literally a professional at giving feedback. I would say I'm quite good at it. Usually I am met with defensiveness. And that just seems to be our MO as adults is that it's always blame shifting or deflecting or turning the lens around on someone. And most, most, most of us have a very hard time saying yes, I did that and I'm sorry for how that impacted you, right? And so in order to, to transmute our life, to turn our burdens into brilliance, we have to be able to swallow our lives whole, right? We have to be able to bite off chunks of our lives and digest it. And we can't do that if we're hiding from it. We can't do that if we think it's wrong. We can't do that if we won't take responsibility for the part that we play in our lives. So I think living with the essence or the energy of the peacock is really a lot about taking responsibility for yourself, all right? And that's not an easy task. So um, I don't know. I think it takes fierce bravery to live your life like this. Um, what else? I know a lot of people that move through life and they go through hard times. So that's really what we're talking about, right? Is like, how, what do you do with hard times? What do you do with hard things? And do you let it in and let it change you? Or do you try to just skip over it? Like it's not there. So and I have a lot of people in my sphere who have cancer or have had cancer um, or who have gone through like big ruptures. I think our, the COVID-19 pandemic that we experience globally is a good example of this is like, so much in our culture, people want to just, quote unquote, get back to normal. I just want to get back to normal. Like, I would just want to finish my treatment so everything can get back to normal. I just want this to be over so it can get back to the way things were. And I might like to offer to you that that concept of getting back to normal when something really big is happening in your life might not be useful. Because really, when we experience hard things like sickness or death, or losing a job, like it's really not meant to get just skipped over so you can get back to regular as fast as possible. In my mind, if we do that, we skip over the hurt, but then we also skip over all of the wisdom that it's meant to show us. You know, when, when, when things happen to us in our life, I believe that it's meant to, to point us back to ourselves. So like in business, if you're not generating the revenue that you want to generate, it's like you can avoid that and like buy a bunch of programs to try to solve it. Or you could just like avoid your business and, and just believe it's all going to work out or whatever. But it's like, 
those things might protect you from the immediacy of having to face your business where it is. But if you don't face those things, it won't give you any information about how to lead yourself out of the circumstance that you find yourself in. Right. So it's like these hard times are, are, are meant for us for a reason. Challenges are meant to be to be experienced and and enveloped, not just getting like gotten over as quickly as humanly possible. So you can just get back to what you were doing. Like these challenges are part of your life just as much as the victories. Right. But we don't see that that way because we only see good, bad, right, wrong. And so this brings me to my next point. Um, and this is two more uh, two more kleshas that I'd like to introduce to you in this conversation. So in yoga, there's this concept of, yes, avidya, of not facing life on life's terms. And part of that is two other kleshas. One is called raga, R-A-G-A, and that translates to our, our sense of attachment and it means that we tend to attach ourselves to the things that we love, all right? And then its counterpart, which is basically the opposite, is dvesa, D-V-E-S-A. And this translates to mean in English, aversion. So we have attachment and aversion. So we as humans get super wired into the stories of our lives by being really attached, by being by being ruled by our attachments and our aversions. I'll do anything to keep this thing going as long as I can because it makes me feel so good. And I'll do anything running, covered in fire, kicking and screaming away from this other thing that makes me feel bad. And then we build our lives around those things. And our culture, our modern Western culture is very dualistic. And so we see things in this very Judeo-Christian manner of right or wrong, good or bad, heaven or hell, light or dark. And that that's great for our brains because our brains love simplicity. In psychology, that's called black and white thinking where it's just super easy. The rules are very clear. You're either in or you're out. You're either off or you're on. You know, you're all in or you're all out. It's like very clear and concise for your brain to, to deal with life in that way. But the problem is life doesn't happen in black and white. Life occurs in all the colors of the rainbow. But no one ever teaches us to live inside of that nuance, to carve out the specific shade between black and white that suits you and your individual wiring and your history and your dreams and your, your life. Right. And so what what has happened is we've been very conditioned to only live in the good or the bad. And then that leads to perfectionism, which leads to control, which leads to all sorts of other things. Blah, blah, blah. Rinse and repeat. Right. So what the peacock teaches us, and this is a little funny because um, where is it in my notes? The uh, the um, I have to find it. It's so well written. Um, oh, I don't think I can. Oh, yes. The peacocks are called opportunistic eaters. They are not selective at all when it comes to what they eat. So they will literally eat anything and then charge themselves internally to metabolize it. And so I'm not exactly saying that. I'm not saying to go eat all of the shit and then learn how to deal with it. That's not the message today. But I do want to say that we are very prone to only eating the things that we think that we want to eat, if we're carrying this peacock metaphor through, right? That we're very in tune with only doing the things that we want to do and like to do. 
And what I'd like to raise my hand and say to you here is that that's all fine and well, but what happens then is that you back yourself into a corner where if you want to change your life and you only stay within this rigid lane of your attachments that you want and you're avoiding the things that you don't want, then what I have found is that so often in those things that we don't want, they actually hold within them the key to unlock the code for us to move ourselves from point A to point B. But if we don't take life in, if we don't swallow our life whole, if we don't take the good with the bad and the bad, the better with the bitter and the bitter with the better, like if we don't take it all, then we cut off our access to the wisdom that lives inside of the challenges of our lives. All right. And so again, that's how we increase our suffering according to yoga is that we live in this path of good, bad, right, wrong, aversion, attachment, and that it binds us. It binds us into these stories that then we have a very hard time veering from. And it's actually metabolizing all of your life, not just the pretty parts. It's swallowing it all down. It's drawing it all into you. It's learning how to metabolize every part of your life that actually gives you the ingredients that you need to grow these brilliant tail feathers. There's a Kriya. It's called a Leia movement, a devotional movement that I do in yoga. It's called the Sufi heart. And I, I don't think I can really explain it to you. I mean, I could on the podcast, but really it's just this like You put both of your hands on your heart, one on top of the other, and then you just take the hand that's underneath and you breathe in and you just sweep it out to the side and over your head. And then as you exhale, you lay it down right on top of the other hand that's still on your heart. And then that hand that's on top of your heart, then that sweeps out from underneath and you inhale and draw it all around. So you can get this picture of as you breathe in, you just kind of take your hand from your heart and you you wrap it like a wing up and around and and then you draw that whatever you scoop up with your arm you kind of draw it back into your heart and the reason i share this with you is because this to me is the image of what it would look like for us as humans to to inhabit to embody the peacock in our everyday lives is that is that with every day that we would trust ourselves enough and that we would trust life enough that we could just scoop up all of what it has to offer and just drive it straight down into our hearts. That we would scoop it all up with every in-breath and then just welcome it into the depths of our being, right? And that we would trust that whatever we find in our lives is really meant to grow us and change us and be part of our story, all of it. And again, we just don't get access to the fullness of ourselves and our capacity if we're cutting off the things, the burdens in our lives and and avoiding them. Again, this doesn't mean that you just have to succumb to eating all the shit and then dealing with it. This isn't a message about tolerating toxic people in your lives or damaging or abusive situations and learning how to deal with it. This is not that. This is not that message. There's a counterpart to all of this. Yoga is both and. And so there's boundaries and claiming yourself and protecting yourself and honoring and choosing yourself that all comes into this as well. But what I'm saying is like, since the shit is going to come your way, no matter what you do, what if when it does, you let yourself really be with it? You let yourself really understand it. You let it change you. You let it make you more beautiful in whatever way 
it was it was meant to over time all right so what are your thoughts how do you do this it's a practice my friends it's a practice of seeing when unwanted circumstances come in your life or unwanted emotions and noticing that everything in you probably wants to run away or make it stop as soon as possible and learning to regulate your nervous system, learning how to um, be a conduit for your emotions instead of containers for them, learning to really understand your life story up until this point, and then understanding what you want your life story to be about from this point forward. So what that means to me is understanding what the intention for your life is right now. Do you have an intention for your life right now? I do. I know what my life is about. I know where I'm headed. And so that way, when I'm connected to where I'm headed and what my life is about, then everything that happens to me, I can contextualize it against the contextualize it within the journey I have already been on, the journey I am currently in, and the journey that will carry me forward. And so when I encounter unwanted circumstances in my life, eventually, not always right away, because sometimes there's some crying or some frustration or some kicking and screaming or some processing that needs to happen first, which is totally normal. But then once that has passed, then I am able to look my life in the eyes. I'm able to look at what's happening in the eyes and say, okay, I don't want to look over my shoulder and say, oh, this was teaching me this. I wish I would have done X, Y, Z. I try to do it in real time. And I say to myself, okay, I know where I've been. I know where I am. And I know where I'm going. What is this thing that is happening to me right now? How can I use it to continue to heal me where I'm at? Or how can I use it as a breadcrumb to pull me forward? And this looks different for everyone. And this is why I am a coach. Because I can give you these theories and I can give you these principles. And I know that they speak to you because I've been teaching this all week. And, and it seems like in the yoga studio, it's really landing. So what are you going to do with it? That's what I want to know is how are you going to integrate this notion of digestion and metabolism of your life into your goals? That is the key, my friend. And that is what I help people do in life coaching. It's one-on-one. -on -one, it's intimate. It's tailor-made just for you. And so if you've got burdens or quote-unquote toxicities in your life that you have been wrestling with, I am a breakthrough coach that can help you break through the mud and grow into your lotus and help you digest your life in a way that helps make you even more brilliant than you already are right now. Let me finish today by continuing to read from the Wild Unknown Animal Spirit deck. This is the rest of what she has to say about the peacock. The beauty of the peacock is unrivaled it's easy to think that it comes from the plumage, but the secret of the peacock is that the beauty resides within and extends outward indefinitely. This adept creature can assimilate or digest all experiences in life, so it does not harbor resentment. It does not harbor conflict or any past pain within its psyche. The peacock type is extremely rare, not many of us have reached this advanced level of acceptance of ourselves and of others. It does not harbor resentment, conflict, or past pain 
within its psyche. Not many of us have reached this because not many of us can accept ourselves and others to this degree. It's so powerful. So that's avidya, right? Acceptance, accepting life on life's terms, right? That's vidya, learning how to do that. We are in avidya when we can't do that. I'll leave you with this data as well. So when this peacock energy is in balance, you might feel confident and kind when you're able to metabolize the events of your life in stride with intention. And when this energy feels out of balance, you might feel like you, you can't digest situations, like you can't digest anything. I know sometimes I feel like that too, like I'm just chock full. So if you do feel that way, like you can't digest things or that you're fully permeated, to bring this into balance, they say in this book, it's a meditation on the navel. And what that means to me is the navel center is the home, not the navel itself, but the navel area, the midsection, the belly area is the home of the solar plexus chakra, Manipura. All right. And this third chakra, this third energy center is the seat of your personal power and the seat of your will. It's the seat of action. And so when you're feeling in this way where you're full and you can't metabolize your life, this might sound really oversimplified, but like core exercises could help. Firing up your belly from the inside out, breath of fire. Gosh, you could even eat spicy food, right? But anything that stimulates this, like A, your digestion, maybe you need to pass things through your body, but really stimulating that central energy from that energy center in the middle of your body at the solar plexus and invigorating your fire. That third chakra is all about combustion. It's all about lighting a fire and keeping the fire stoked. All right. So finding things that give you air, finding things that make you passionate, and then finding a way to actually action upon these things that call to you. Um, this could help bring you into this metabolic effect, so to speak, this this peacock sense of being able to assimilate anything in your life and turn it into beauty. My last reminder is that we're always focused on the tail feathers. So just remember that whatever beauty you seek on the outside, whether it's your physical person or the life that you're creating around you, whatever it is that you seek out there, the answer, as far as I see it, is always to go in here. So look inward. Swallow your life whole, face yourself, learn the lessons, and allow this process to grow you and bloom you into your own personal brand of brilliance. When you're ready to do this one-on-one, -on -one, please reach out to me, book your one-on-one -on -one free call. The links are in the episode show notes. Um, and I can't wait to get started. It's time for you to soar. I love you so much, my friends. Everything that is light and dark inside of me sees and honors everything that is light and also dark inside of you. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Peace be with you, my friends.